Oh, are we going? Yeah. All right. Well, what's good, fellas? Want to welcome y'all back to Sports Therapy. This is episode number seven. Right, number seven, man. Yeah. Moving right along, we're gonna try something a little bit different today. So in this episode, we're gonna be doing our first Q and A. We asked for a few questions in the last podcast, and so y'all came through. Appreciate that. So we're gonna answer a few of them today, and uh, we're gonna kind of see how the vibe of this episode goes. If this is something y'all enjoy, maybe we'll do more in the future. We just gotta kind of see how it play out. Today, we're just trying it out. Feel me? So real quick before we jump in, bro, what's the deal, man? What's life right now? You know, it's been it's been chaotic the last week. I've been doing a lot. I've been traveling a lot. And I had to give a shout out to my cousin, Tom. If you can see the shot, it might be backwards. But he just finished up his the first 12 weeks of like the Marine. Oh, uh, training. Word. Yeah. So he just finished that up and, and graduated and is moving right along with that. So props. props. Awesome for him. Yeah. Um, we, as a family, we decided to get together and do the Marine test. And we all like trained for months kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. did, and it's, the test is a 5k run, uh, as many pull-ups as you can do in two minutes and as many crunches you can do in two minutes. Okay. And so they have different classes based on your scoring. And we, I mean, I think everyone wishes they did better. Like I, I did. Okay. Like my run was like 22 minutes, 25 seconds which is like seven minute, 20 ish pace for, okay. for per mile. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a long distance runner, so that's fine. Yeah, but yeah. we were all pr- like pretty dead afterwards <laughs> and bad, to the go like, man, this kid's been doing this every day, but probably way worse. How long has he been training? For, well, it's 12 weeks. Like the initial, I'm saying though, like, how long did he train for the, I don't know if I mean, he was just, he's, he's like 18. So he just finished oh. up high school and went so in right away. Okay. Yeah. So he, he played sports too. He's, he played football. And yeah. so, yeah. Dude, that's so anyway, crazy, congrats to him for being able to get that done. Definitely. Shout out to him, man. But anyways, what's, what's up with you, man? Uh, man, I got some, you know what I'm saying? I've been working on a couple of things, bro. I just did a, uh, I did a Takeo Spikes' podcast. Um, the Behind the Mask podcast. We recorded that last week, and then he also did like a recording for my channel. So I ba- I got like a, a collab coming up with Takeo Spice. Y'all know who that is ex NFL player, played like 15 years linebacker. Got drafted by the Bengals actually, and he was um, he made like the first cut for the uh, for the Hall of Fame. He was nominated for the Hall of Fame earlier this year. So dude, dude is that's, in- that's yeah. awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. So, something pretty cool, bro. I'm excited about it. Oh, sorry. I forgot to turn my light on. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, something pretty cool, bro. So, I'm excited about that. That's going to be dropping on the channel soon. So, that's what I've been working on. You feel Dope, me? man. That's that's really awesome. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, so. Yeah. You ready to jump into your questions? Yeah. You want to go first? You want to ask the first question? Uh, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name, though. Yeah, I, he'll be all right. All right, so the first question comes from, and I'm probably messing this up, Cape. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> from my boy Cape, but he has a damn good question. How did the role of football video games, if any, shape your understanding of football? Dude, I like this question a lot. This is yeah. something that before we started the podcast, yep. we talked about as a potential topic because we both played so much NCAA and Madden growing up and it's a part of like, you know, the legacy of our channels in a way. 
But I think, I think that my life was heavily affected by it from a young age because as soon as I could like get in front of a screen and play a game, I was, I was like four years old playing Madden. Damn. And I feel like my vision as a running back improved because of playing Madden, because the classic thing about Madden is that top down view where you look down and you can kind of see everything. So when you're playing over and over and over, it's like practice. It's like mental reps. Yep. So you get to see it from like a coach's perspective, like those all 22 cams. Yep. That's just like the Madden cam. It's perfect. So one of the, one of the things my coaches always said about me in like junior high and like youth football was like, I had good vision and I, I have to give a lot of credit to Madden. So that's my initial thoughts on it. I, I think that, I think there's concepts, especially now with when you, when you get Madden and you do the tutorial mode, it'll be like, oh, here's like a cover two and here's plays that beat a cover two. Here's yeah. cover three, cover four. Here's what they can do. Here's concept routes. Here's yeah. why you run this guy deep to pull this guy. And that's like showing kids at a, at a young age how to do it when, you know, before Madden, it would have been like, oh, you go to football practice and try to teach kids the most basic things, which is much harder to do when it's just kids. Yeah. Like trying to get a bunch of kids on the same page is really hard. But if you have all these kids playing Madden and understanding the concepts, like, I don't know. I think there could be some weird alternative method of teaching kids how to, how to play football from a young age by using the video game. Now from, from other sports, I don't know. It's, I'm sure that there's probably the similar things, but football specifically because of the schemes and just like the different formations and lining up and, seeing where the defense is being like, okay, well they have too many guys here. We probably shouldn't run that play. I just, I think that it does have an impact. It did for me. And I, I know that for a fact. So yeah. Anyways. Uh, absolutely, bro. Like I think for me, I'm a, I'm more of a visual learner, right? So being able to see the, uh, like the route combination and being able to see like what a cover two is supposed to look like with the bubbles and everything. Like, bro, Having that vision of what it's supposed to look like helps so much. And kind of when you play the game, especially you go, I'll go and look at the replays, right? And just kind of run in slow motion trying to see what I did wrong on a certain play. Maybe I threw a pick. And seeing how, and obviously it's not perfect, but seeing how like a safety might react if they're in a certain zone to like this outside go route, that helped me understand where I need to be. If I got this post, if I need to be running that thing a little bit more skinny, if I need to flatten it out to get underneath the safety, and just kind of understanding how the defense is moving. So that's me looking at it as a receiver. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I feel like it helped me a ton. It helped me understand basic coverages. It helped me understand, like, basic releases and, like, how to get off the ball. You feel me? So yeah, it, it actually it go a long way, man. Like, what you were saying about mental reps, I mean, and – you might be familiar. Like they did a study like a while back with guys. Um, it was like a free throw. It was a study on free throw shooting. So they had like three different groups. They had they tested everybody in each group, and then um, they gave them like four weeks to practice. One week practice with a real ball. I mean, one one group practice with a real ball for four weeks. One group just did mental reps. They never got a ball. They just would like visualize themselves doing it for like an hour every day. One group didn't do nothing. The group that did the mental reps improved at the same exact rate of the cats with the actual real ball. You feel incredible. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's and so mental reps go a long way. So you can definitely get that 
in uh, in video games and being able to do it virtually where you don't need any help. You don't need a group of people. You can do it by yourself. You don't even have to like your um, your physical conditioning is no yeah, longer no even a variable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like if you dog tired, you could still do these these uh, this work this mental workout and take something from it. You feel me? So yeah, yeah it go a long way. And like you say, it don't really work the same way in other sports because um, <clears throat> it, it can. But generally, when people play two K. They don't like some people actually go in and set their playbook and run actual plays. For those people, they'll get the mental reps. But most people yeah. on 2K I've seen, they come down, they spam the crossover, spam the step back, and just, yeah. you know what I'm saying, put that joint on easy and go in. But for football yeah. specifically, it go a long way, I think. There's a aspect of every sport where physicality, it's totally forgotten in the world of video games. So. Yeah. You know, there's there's so much about football that you can't get from playing the video game. But the fact that you can get like the schemes and understanding, that's so big because half the game is just understanding where to be. Like a lot of great players, yep. they're not better than anyone physically. It's just that they know where to be at the right time or what to do when that situation comes up. And I think a lot of that comes to studying the game and the sure. off time. And that sure. visualization is so important for sports in general. So I think it's just a perfect aid for that. For sure. And before we leave off this question, the last thing I'm going to say, um, a couple of years ago, I remember reading an article about the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. That was the first one that did it in the league, maybe two or three years ago now. They were um, implementing like virtual reality for their quarterbacks to get those same type of mental reps like you would get on a video game and go through their reads and everything like that. So you're starting to see it um, in actual football, like them, them utilizing it even on the highest levels. You feel me? Yeah. So it could definitely help us as like kids or as amateurs or whatever like that. So yeah, it's dope. Dude, I wonder how many like Madden and NCAA YouTubers are like better or good at football. Like all See, the dudes it have depends. big channels. It depends, bro. Because a lot of Madden, like a lot of Madden players that are really good are Madden players. Like they're not really, they don't really look at it like football. They look at it like, okay, this money play right here breaks the game because this guy can't cover the swing route like the yeah. coverage breaks down it's just in the game you feel what I'm saying so a lot yeah. of Madden play and I, I hated Madden for years because of that because I could pick up NCAA and I wasn't the greatest player but the way I played was fun and I could have success because I just use real football concepts I don't know I never looked up NCAA gameplay tips like I don't know the cheese like unless I just figured yeah. it out on my own but I'm just playing the game the way I see it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going through like that. So that's why I always appreciated NCAA over Madden. And um, even though recently I've played more Madden because NCAA doesn't really exist anymore. But um, yeah. that, was what, that was one of the things that kind of separated it for me. Dude, could you imagine being like a high school football coach and having your playbook just look like the Madden play art? <laughs> and you just like downloaded it from the game? And you actually I, ran those plays? <laughs> coaches do that. Some coaches Dude, do that. Bro. I wouldn't doubt it. Like, you'd like, see that play work, you'd be like, huh, that's Some of those that's plays are good. Like, some of those plays, like, they make so much sense, and they put the defense in a compromising position or make them make yeah. a decision, and then the quarterback can read that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of the plays is just, they be garbage. You got a hot route 15,000 times just to get a decent play going. But, yeah. you know. Dude, it's it's really cool to watch actual games and see, like, a concept that you've done in the game. Like the Browns ran four verts against the Colts. Yeah. And they threw it to the tight end, like that spam play. Yeah. Where yeah the yeah, tight yeah, end yeah. comes across the middle. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
trips to the right. See, verticals. we run that, man. We run a, a lot too. There's a play we run um, where we bring a guy dragging. I don't know what you would call it, but we bring a guy dragging from the left, and then we have two posts on this side. The slot guy, so I was running a more shallow one. Dude running a deeper yeah. one. We run this every game like four times. And Tyler Boyd, I swear to you, he catch he catch like uh, probably like a twenty yard pass and maybe another fifteen yard pass on that exact concept every single week. And uh, you know it's dope. This is a good play. It's hard to cover, bro. All right. So KJ, he was saying, um, what is your favorite uh, or most satisfying thing about your favorite position? Could be football, basketball, or any sport. And he said, for him, he loves quarterback and throwing the perfect lob or touch pass because it's so satisfying. Damn. Okay. That's a great question, bro. Um, let's. I guess I'll go with football. This is my, mainly a football thing. Yeah. Uh, as a receiver, probably the most satisfying thing is um, understanding what the defense is trying to do to you. Right, so say they're trying to box you. They got a man, oh, like a man, like pressing you. It's a cat over the top, and you got to watch that linebacker on the inside. Yeah. You know what your route is, right? So you kind of playing a mental game with them, but you got to go fast because you got to be in a certain spot at a certain time with the quarterback. So it's like this whole chess match. You know what I'm saying? Like it's more yeah. than just, uh, you know, how well can I? You know, dudes be running them. You ever watch the Nike camp where dudes running like? <laughs> He do like a 360 in the middle of his route and they're like, oh, it's like, yo, that's yeah. not a real route, my guy. You know what I'm saying? But like yeah. playing that little mental game with them and it's subtle. It's subtle stuff that a lot of people won't pick up on. Um, why somebody like Keenan Allen, he's he's super good at this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because he's really not that fast, but he got good quickness, good size. And um, like his positioning and the way he manipulate the defense in order to get open or give the quarterback a lane to just get him the ball, even though he ain't creating a, creating a ton of space. It's uh it's a thing of beauty. You know what I'm saying? That's that's probably my favorite thing to watch, like from a, a position standpoint. Yeah, I I, I mean I'm sort of similar in the way because I, I play running back. And so I get the same idea where you kind of read the defense before the play. You see where the linebackers are. You see how the D, the defensive line is set up. And you know it's a, a power to the right or whatever. And you kind of get an idea of how it's going to open up. You've done the reps a million times in practice. Yeah. And for me, my favorite part was seeing the hole open up to where I knew I was going to get minimum 10 yards. And it's one of those games where you're like, how far can I take this? So it comes down to like a move on a safety or a move on a linebacker. And that's the difference between, you know, a seven to 10 yard run and like a pop off 25 yeah. to the house plus type of run. Yeah. And so I just loved those. And I loved exposing dudes with my speed, just like just purely outrunning them. Like they think they took a good angle, but I just run past them. Yeah. I loved, I loved that. Like taking one to the house when they thought they had me. I mean, that's yeah. why I love sprinting. Cause when you, when you sprint, and everyone's just trying to run in a straight line and you beat all those dudes, it's the most satisfying thing, dude. It, it's yeah. like the most mainly I've felt. Like when you're running against <laughs> dudes who all do this, they all yeah. got scholarships to do this and you're beating them. Yeah, it didn't yeah, happen yeah. very often in college, but especially in like high school, man, it was just, it was fun, man. I love being, I love running and I love just putting the burners on, you know? Yeah. So. I think for me, man, and again, I have this question. You saying that made me think about it. <laughs> being able to narrow it down a bit. Um, <clears throat> outsmarting a dude. That's the thing. Like, if I feel like I can outplay you, like, mentally, that's the thing. I basically want to have a counter for everything you do. If I can do that, 
that's that's the most satisfying. And that go back to my original explanation of playing football. Same thing in basketball, you know what I'm saying? If you try to play the over-aggressive defense, like I want to have a counter for every single thing you do. I want to be a step ahead of you. And if I can pull that off, it's the most satisfying thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. All right, next question. Okay, this is from uh, Game Day TB. All right, my question is, how did you guys deal with life after football? So that's interesting because it was tough. I I told, I mean, for those of you who've listened to all the podcasts, you know that my football career ended pretty bad. It just ended on a terrible note. As senior year of football, we lose seven straight. My last game was awful. And so it's never been easy because I loved football. Like being in a football game is, is there's nothing like it. So I guess for me, I guess finding competitive outlets that are healthy is the only way that I've been able to deal with it. It still doesn't fill that void, but it does a little bit. So like, for instance, so right now I'm starting to do like a track training program again, where I'm trying to get back into like sprinting shape. I'm about to turn 25. I'm entering kind of the prime physical part of my life. So I want to be able to get the most out of my athletic ability. So for me, that's, that's how I'm handling it. I think other people might do other things. I think a lot of people just like to work out, you know, kind of sculpt their body or whatever. And that's totally fine. Just for me, I have to, I'm too competitive to not do something where I'm pushing myself and going against myself is much better than trying to compare myself to others. So that's, that's my way of dealing with it. Yeah. It was a lot easier for me <clears throat> just because I, I got a lot of interest anyway. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So when I, when football was over for me at the time, it didn't even like really hit me because I looked at it more like, okay, now I have an opportunity to lean into some of these other things that I've been wanting to do anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I, I kind of fill my time with that. Um, I kind of lean more into the creativity. Um, I, you know, I start working. I, I, I basically just replace that with a whole bunch of other stuff. But I know that that's been something that's super difficult because I got a bunch of friends who have struggled like mightily with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They still to this day kind of trying to find a thing. So it, it could be a hard thing. So what I would say is you just really got to find another passion or another few passions and then and pour yourself into that, you know, and then eventually, you know, it could, it could take the place of, of football for you, at least somewhat to get you. Yeah. Through. Yeah, passions, dude, are everything. If you don't have a passion that you're working towards, then you're just living to work. And that sucks. Yeah. And that sucks. That sucks. That so, sucks. Yeah, finding passions, man. That's like always the next step. Man, one of the questions I always ask people, bro, like if we end up in a, a conversation like with a stranger, like a one-on-one especially or a small group, I always ask them like, yo, so what are you most excited about in your life right now? You feel me? And yeah. when they can't answer that question, I'll be like, yo, but you got to find something that you're excited about every day. Like, if you're working your ass off, you're doing all this, find a time, bro. You got to find a time for some type of passion or something that you're excited about every day when you get up. Because if not, like you said, this thing going to just feel like a, a sentence. You know what I'm saying? It's going to feel like yeah. you're doing a bid out here. You know what I'm saying? Instead of actually enjoying your life. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've been trying to work on because, you know, sitting around playing games and kind of just working and just kind of getting through the days just is not satisfying enough to ever want to continue that, you know. 
But yeah. as soon as I started flipping the switch again to go and like, okay, get motivated. Like, let's, let's get these things done that I want to get done. And from, from a, you know, athletic standpoint, that's, that's kind of checked. And then like just working on other things, like developing new passions, like I think in like runescape terms. So I'm like a level one gardener. And so I've been trying to like improve like the yard in my house cause it's, it's crappy. <laughs> so <laughs> I was completely I mean, lost, but I, I get dude, it. I get the point everyone my age played RuneScape. That's a fact. Boom. But I, get I'm, that to y'all, I don't know. Y'all. Actually, that's int- that'd be an interesting question. I think a lot of people played it because that was like the the game in fourth grade to play. Okay. And it's one of those things where I kind of glamorize all the things in my life that I liked. So for me, I think in RuneScape terms. So I'm like, right now, okay, I'm like a I clean my house. I'm like a level two. I can do it, but I'm not great. And it, I don't think it's a good idea to like do that, but I just do. So out of curiosity, that's how, it is. how high do the levels go? Well, in RuneScape, it goes to 99 and that's like, it's just like skill mastery. And then it just, you continue to get XP, but you don't go past 99. Yeah. So if you're going to use that in life terms, then just take you that get same, the, take that same metaphor and use it in terms of like your NCAA overall, right? If you are level two right now in RuneScape, what would that make you as a player, as a road to glory player in NCAA? <laughs> like a level, yeah, what, like a 65 overall or something? Like my, my skill in the video game? No. You're, I'm saying oh, use the same metaphor. Because that's terms that I understand. That's a different. Okay. So I'm going to throw the RuneScape terms out the door. Okay. Okay. So like my gardening skill would be like a 60 overall. Okay. Like I'm like a guy that you don't want in the game. Yeah. Yeah, my cleaning ability is like 72. Like, okay, you put Passable. me in there, like, I could pass. Like, you might not notice me. I can get it done, but yeah. I'm not going to save the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my athleticism, I don't know. I don't know if I can rank my own athleticism because I think I think too highly of how good I am. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. That's a hard one to say. All right, so Fred George asked, let's say YouTube doesn't exist and you guys are not YouTubers. Where would you see yourself five years in the past, present, and I guess five years into the future? Yeah, this is a dope question. It's actually an incredibly hard question. It is. Uh, it is. I'll try to answer it. All right. So if YouTube did not exist five years ago. so 2015. About, that's funny because that was about the time that I kind of got the bug again to do creative stuff. Now, Coincidentally, a lot of the videos and stuff I watched that ended up moving me in that direction, I saw on YouTube, but I'm just assuming social media still exists, so I probably just saw those on Twitter or Facebook or something like that, right? So I still saw those. I probably would have been, um, I probably would have built like a SoundCloud page. That's, that's probably what I would have ended up doing. Like the same exact story I have right now, but instead of me starting on YouTube, I probably would have started dropping like a song a week on SoundCloud or something like that and trying to build up like that. I, I think that's probably the route I would have went. You know what I'm saying? So, that means presently, I would be um, not like big, but I have enough fans to like make a living on what yeah. I'm doing. Probably about the same level I am on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Probably about the same exact level, but just doing music instead. You feel me? And yeah. then um, five years in the future, I'll probably just be doing that, honestly, for the rest of, uh, pretty much for the rest of my the foreseeable future, the, my foreseeable future. Yeah. Until it's time to retire, you know, dude, that'd be wild to take that approach. Cause yeah, y- you never know, but with your kind of 
the way you do things, like you said, one it song would, a week. I'm just like work. imagining you grinding that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because the way I would have came into it, I would have looked at it exactly how I looked at YouTube. Like, okay, if I'm trash but consistent, it's going to take me this long. I could still get a fan base. If I'm okay but consistent, you know, I'll get a fan base a little bit faster. And if I'm pretty good, then it'll go a little bit faster. But either way, if you just continue to, in my opinion, if you just continue going on something and finding every way to kind of promote yourself as much as you can and separate yourself as much as you can and just doing all those little things over and over and over, I have no doubts in my mind that I would have found a way to make it work. Yeah, your formula worked and and YouTube's hard enough to make it anyway. Yeah. So who's not to say that it wouldn't have worked, you know? Yeah, like, I think it would have worked. I, I don't think there's any any way to say it wouldn't have. Like there's evidence that it would. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess looking back at 2015, I was in my freshman year of college, my uh, freshman to sophomore year, and I wasn't on YouTube yet. At the time, I was trying to stream on Twitch (laughs) and do track, and I was very focused on just trying to do those. The thing was, I was sort of lost in that way that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I ended up dropping out out of school when when YouTube started taking off. Cause I was like, I finally have something I want to go do. So I'm just going to invest all into that. Yeah. So if YouTube never happened, if I just never took that leap or it doesn't exist and you're talking 2015, I probably would have fizzled out with track. Like I was losing motivation by the year. It was just a struggle. I probably would have ended up graduating with the degree that I, I did, even though I didn't like it. I don't know, man. That's like, it's like scary to think. I'm just like, I only wanted to do two things in my life. It was, I liked YouTube. So I wanted to make YouTube videos and I liked sports. So I wanted to play sports and I didn't think much past that until recently, like the last few years. Like Mm. I was just like a one set track. I want to do what I want to do. No one can tell me otherwise. Yeah. So I guess present day, I'd probably have some sort of personal training job or coaching because I would have been like, I need that competitive fire back. So I probably, I probably would be like coaching like high school football part-time or something while being a personal trainer Yeah, and going into the future, man. I don't know. Maybe at some point I would have had like a reality check. Like I need to do something I want to do. And uh, dude, this is, this is a hard question. I <laughs> really don't know. Question. It really is. Bro. It's, it's the, you know, 2016 YouTube starting for, for me literally changed the course of my life so much that I don't know. It was not looking good in the way that like I had never built a foundation of education being important. So who knows if I would have even made it through college and then I don't know what would happen there. I probably would be working with my dad at his restaurant. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to sell myself too low. I have a work ethic. It's just that it's a work ethic and things I want to go do. And YouTube was perfect for that. So I guess it would have just, it would have just translated somewhere else. Maybe being a coach, I would have been like a really good coach. I still think I can be in the future. I'm not ruling that out. So yeah, that's, that's about all I can say on that. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Fred George, bro. Fire question, dog. So for the next question we got from uh, Joshua Donathian. What is a weird pet peeve that you have? I kind of want to relate this to YouTube just okay. to kind of keep it while I'm thinking about it. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I get annoyed with, with comments when they're not about the video at all. <laughs> like when it's just 
a video, like I used to get so many people who'd be like, you should do this video or you should do this. That was very common. Yeah. Or it would just be like random. Like it wouldn't be a comment related to anything about the video or me or anything. I'm just, I just don't get it. And so I guess even like constructive criticism would be better than that. Like I don't like hearing someone say, oh, I don't like your voice. Cause I really used to, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better with my voice, but back in the day it wasn't, it wasn't that good and people would always give me crap for it. So that bothered me, but at least it was more of like a thoughts about the video in some way when it, when yeah. there's no thoughts about the video and you're just randomly saying crap, I'm just like, what's the point? <laughs> hey, you know, it's funny, bro. Like I think that bothered a lot of people. That's why that never bothered me. Cause like I look at it like, um, they just they just here to show love, right? Like, okay, say you I'll drop like a twenty five minute video, yeah. and within the first thirty seconds, great video flip low. I'm like, hey, he's showing love. He clearly haven't watched the damn video yet, but he at least he's steering my comment section to like a positive, you know what I'm saying, in a positive way. It can be a little bit annoying though. You spend hella time doing a video, and the second you drop it. Is all I get is, yo, what happened to this person? What happened? What? <laughs> I'll be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Y'all even go watch this video or comment on it at all. But at the same time, like, they got videos they want to see. So I just look at it like, okay, I didn't scratch that itch for this person. You know what I'm saying? I got to do a little bit better with that, I guess. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not too big of a deal. It's just like a dumb little pet peeve. It's nah, just I like a. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the thing is, that hasn't really bothered me that much recently because i don't after the first like you said we've talked about it before after the first few hours of an upload after that the people who are commenting are usually randoms anyway who just have nothing else to say but something random yeah and so then you don't pay if you pay attention too much to that then you'll get sucked into it and worry too much yeah and then when you're so focused on your videos analytics and comments then it's just frustrating yeah. So as a creator, you have to find a way to be able to compartmentalize that. Upload it, be happy with the product. Okay, show some love to people who came to see the video and then move on. Yeah. And, you, and, and I've struggled with that in the past. Like I've hung on to videos that done well and I'll just keep checking them to make myself feel better mm. and then be down and out when a video didn't do as well as I'd hoped. Yeah. And that that's just like the up and down that I don't want to be on that train. <laughs> I just want to be moving forward. It's so tough, bro. Uh, I've struggled with that, too, in that, um, like, okay, reading comments is it, trying to, like, not overreact to any any comment, right? So if I read a comment that be like, yo, Flimlo, you're the best YouTuber on the platform, right? Feel yeah. good. But I can't just take that all the way in because if I do take that all the way in and the next one say, hey, Flimlo, you you trash, bro. Like this is terrible. You feel me? If I value this one, I gotta value this one at the same level. You feel me? So yeah. each one of them, I gotta look at and be like, okay, what did I do for this person to feel like I'm the best content creator on the whole platform? You know, I want to give a little bit. I want to continue to give a little bit of that. The negative person, I'm like, okay, what did I do to piss this person off and make them think my video is trash? Yeah, I want to do a little bit less of that and, and just trying to balance it. It's kind of hard, bro. No, it's damn near impossible. <laughs> Let's just keep it real, bro. It's yeah. damn near impossible. Like, it's so damn difficult to do, to not like, to kind of let everything just roll off your sleeve. But I think it's, um, you'll drive yourself crazy, basically, if you don't figure out how to do it. You know? Yeah, for, for people who, I, everyone does this because everyone has an Instagram. 
most people listening to this probably have an Instagram or Twitter or some sort of social media, Facebook, where you have interacted with people or posted something where you paid attention to your stats. I had been doing it long before I made this YouTube channel. It just gets amplified when it's a YouTube channel because you get so many more comments and views and people look at that from the outside and they go, whoa, I want to be like that because I just want to see that those views skyrocket. I just want to see, like there's people who have channels where all they do is like take a stream of a, of a game or something and then just upload it mm-hmm. and they get views from that and that makes them feel good as if they did anything of value. Like, yeah. And the problem with that, then it's not even you. You're just like trying to get feedback for something that's not even you to feel good about yourself. And I, I, I'm a victim of that. Like I have a victim of like trying to make a video and it's not about the video. It's about trying to get the, you know, the people telling me how great I am. Cause I think it's a self-esteem issue at that point. You just, you just want and need that sort of energy and once you can if you can find a way to get over that and that's something that like you said it's 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 pretty much impossible but if you can find a way to like just deal with comments and like a okay kto you're amazing okay well this guy probably liked this video a lot so he's he's just showing love kto this like too many ads i'm I'm not watching another one of your videos okay well the ads pissed him off or uh a lot of the times people react and they get upset about because i said something bad about their team so if you take a dig at someone's team or a dig at someone's player they liked, they will find a way to hurt you. And the only way to do that is some harsh comment. Yeah. And so once you realize that, you're like, it's almost laughable. Like you can <laughs> read comments that are mean and you just like, it's nothing. Like <laughs> they're just mad because I said the, gi- the giants suck or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it, that, that's made it easier, those kind of things, because rarely do people have like a constructive criticism basically saying you're the worst thing ever like that. It doesn't happen, but if yeah. it does, I guess you can, if you can look at it and analyze it and get a better understanding of like where they're coming from, it's not as impactful. It doesn't dig as deep. It doesn't cut as deep because yeah, I, I'm kind of rambling, but no, that's good. That's, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want the question to do, to lead into a, a nice, like a string of thought. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, for me, man, I guess a, a pet peeve for me, something that I that just pisses me off that I just hate is um, I hate people with like a fixed mindset, right? Meaning they think that like because something is the way it is, it can't possibly change. You feel what I'm saying? And it carry yeah. over into every aspect of their life. That annoy me so bad, bro. Like. I'm trying to think of a good example. It could be it could be literally anything. It could be like somebody who got like low self-esteem when it comes to playing basketball because their jump shot is trash. And I'm like, bruh, hella people jump shots was trash. Like, what are you gonna do to fix it? Like, here's what we can do. And I'll come up with a plan for him real quick on the spot. All right, this is what we're gonna do. And then they're like, yeah, but uh I uh or they're like, yo, I wanna, how do I make YouTube videos like you? And I'm like, well, this is what I did specifically. And then like, ah, I ain't really, you know what I'm saying? I, I just hate when people don't have like any um, any aspiration to make shit the way they want it to be. Like you can literally shape your life into what you want it to be. But instead of doing that, a lot of people just complain and deal with the same exact problems over and over and over and never address it. 
that annoys the hell out of me. I see it the most like in people that I know, like friends or family, stuff like that. Yeah. And when I'll try to throw them like a little game and not saying like, yo, I'm perfect or my life is, is perfect because it damn sure ain't. But I'm saying I'm, I feel like it's improved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's improved over the last few years, man. Here's a couple of things you can do. And like they don't want to take any action. They just want to sit in the complaint. It's like they almost like complaining. Like they almost prefer it. You know what I'm saying? It seemed like. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is like random negativity. I hate random negativity. Like I hate if I post a completely neutral comment or, or I see a completely neutral comment, somebody always got to take it and try to make it into something negative. I saw a video the other day on Twitter. It was a video of LeBron and Kobe during um, one of the um, Olympic practices, right? And they was just, it was like a bunch of clips of them just basically communicating on the court, right? Oh, you got this man box out, boom, boom, boom. Check the comments. Oh, Kobe was better than LeBron was scared to shoot. This uh, he was schooling. It's like, bro, like this this video ain't got nothing to do with that. That's what you yeah. took from this. Like I watched it and was like, bro. So at the top level, communication is key. Look how in tune these dudes are at practice. Look how intense they are. That's what I took from it. Yeah. I don't understand how people can look at that and oh, LeBron is four and six in the finals. It's like yeah. what the. What do they got to do with anything, bro? Yeah. It's like they can't help themselves from immediately going to like a negative place. That leads nowhere, by the way. Every single post that they see or every single thing you bring up is like some negative place they can take it. And they just steer that thing there every single time. Like they can't wait to get over there, bro. It's unbelievable. And it pisses me off. Like I hate that. You know what's funny? You're describing me in a lot of ways. <laughs> So I'm just sitting here and it's like, okay, I do those things. I, I'm not a person who just goes to like Instagram or Twitter and talks a lot of shit. Like I don't, I don't do that, but yeah. who's like, I've done it in the past where like something will happen. I'll be like, yeah, but he sucks or like anything. Like I think we've all done it. I think we've all I will done be, it. I, a lot of the times I'm in a negative mindset and that's one of the things I'm trying to change, but I am just in that negative mindset. And I know a lot of people feel this way because when you're deep in that negative space, then you're trying to bring everything down to your level. Oh, someone's having a good time and they have a smile on their face. You're so pissed because they're happy and, and you're not that yeah. you, instead of trying to get to their level, you just want to pull them down to your level. So you're like, yeah, I'm in control. Like, yeah, see, this yeah. is how bad it sucks. This is my life. Yeah. And so I've been doing that for so long that it's like second nature and yeah. it sucks. But, I mean, I think, my bad, you, you had something to say? No, no. I mean, there were some other things that you said in that that I felt were valuable because a lot of the times it's just people who can't get over their fears of things. Like you were describing the jump shot thing. Like, I feel like if we were hanging out more in person, that kind of stuff would happen more often with you saying things to me and me not accepting it because of my ego being like, oh, you know, you're probably right. But I, I because you said it and it wasn't for me, I'm just going to like... Keep it's like, doing the same old BS. I guess my life experiences have made me feel that way because I, I remember I told a story like when I was super young, um, I literally had a nickname Nohan because I could not catch. And I parlayed that into a football scholar, like the only person in my class to get yeah. a football scholarship to play receiver. You see what I'm saying? And so I changed it when I was young. I was bad at basketball. I wasn't naturally good at basketball. I worked on my game. I got better. 
what I got in sales, I had never sold anything in my life. Like I said, I never, I didn't even sell snacks in school, but I worked on it. I got, and I've got, not just I got better, I literally got to the top of these things, yeah. at least in my little bubble that I was in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The top of my store and in my little region. Um, just be, And I went from having no experience or being really bad at it, like, because I'm not really like a people person. Like, I know a lot of people might think that from YouTube, but one-on-one, I'm good. So I just learned my strengths, bro. Like, I went into sales, and I was like, I'm bad with crowds. So when a family come in, what do I do? I talk to them real quick. I give them a little space. I figure out who making a buying decision. I separate them. You feel me? I get yeah. them from everybody. I get everybody else a drink. Hey, y'all, you know, sit down, look around, boom, boom. Get the phone over there. So I could have a conversation because I'm good at one-on-ones, right? And so yeah. that's what I would do. And I just learned how to – and I feel like anybody could do that. What are your strengths, right? Figure out – how to put yourself in a position where you're using your strengths most often, and then the stuff that you're bad at, you got to bring that up. But you ain't got to necessarily make the thing you're worst at the main thing you do. Like, find what you're good at, do that yeah. the most, bring everything up to, else up to a competent level, and you can find success. You feel what I'm saying? And so yeah. when people don't see it my way when it comes to that, it aggravates me. I ain't going to lie. I, I get it, dude. It's tough because... I think you're very successful in a lot of things you do because of your mindset. And I think there's so many people and I've been in this position where you just, you just don't get things done that you need to get done or you let your fears beat you or whatever. Like someone who's like, Oh, I want to go out and do this, but then they never do it. Yeah. Well, then they're just always upset at themselves and they never, and they just like, that's how it is. Yeah. So then someone like you, who's like on top of your shit all the time, like mm. telling someone like that. Well, okay. Generally speaking. Don't over. Yeah, I'm not. You're not. That shit all no the one's time. perfect. I'm yeah, just yeah. giving you a lot of credit. And I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but Man. it's just, there's so many people like I, I, I have to talk about me in that way. Cause I have been in that situation where I just let like all the things go and I don't do what I need to do. And so then you talk about success and then in the back of my mind, I'm going like, he, he doesn't get it. He doesn't know what sh- like, like this kind of struggles, but you do cause you actually, you used it and you, you like this, the no, the no hands thing. Yeah. It's just a mindset, man. It's just a mindset that's really hard to get over. Cause we all build this habit of being negative or being fearful or being like, Oh, I don't do well in good in big crowds. So I just, I'm not going to do it. Or I don't do well speaking in front of people. So I'm just not going to do it. Or, Oh, I'm not a good athlete. So sports suck. Anything. I will man. throw, I'll throw this out there because that that's just it, it kind of reminds me of some things that I would like to talk about and that I do, right? The whole thing, I'm not good in big crowds. I ain't good in big crowds. And so I'm not, it's not, but it's not essential to my life. You see what I'm saying? If it was, if I lived a lifestyle where I had to be in big crowds all the time, I'd prioritize like getting a lot better at that. Yeah. But that ain't something I have to do very often, yeah. right? When I do have to do it, I you know I boost myself up. I make sure I'm reading. I make sure my mental and everything is strong, so that I could go into that environment and I'll be fine for a limited amount of time. And then yeah. I'm gonna get the hell up out of there. You feel what I'm saying? But if my primary source of survival, or if there was something else that I really enjoyed, like say I was a musician and I always I had to travel around and do it, I would just have to expose myself to it so I could get better, get more more used to to being around a whole bunch of people and dealing with that. But like you ain't gotta improve every single thing you're bad at to like the maximum level. That's what I was saying. You could, if you don't like big crowds, 
you could build a life where you work from home and you don't have to deal with big crowds a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's more than one way to solve the issue. My point is just, like, when you identify the problem, figure out, like, is this something that I can just cut out? Or is this something that I'm going to have to get better at because this is a key way for me to survive? Or maybe my, uh, my wife really likes rock climbing and I'm scared of heights. Well, I can let my relationship suffer and not do that activity with her. Or I could kind of get over it, you know what I'm saying, and, and work on work to get over it. It's going to take time, yeah. obviously. But you just got to decide, like, is the thing essential to your life? If it is, then you need to improve at it. If it's not essential to your life, you can figure out new ways to not really have to deal with it, at least yeah. not too often. You know what I'm saying? So it's a couple of different ways you can address it. It just really depends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap that up. That that went a lot longer on that question than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All um, right, so we'll wrap those up right there, man. Um, maybe we'll do a few more in the future. We'll see, just depending on like what the response is, if y'all like those. If y'all did, bro, on the YouTube channel, make sure y'all click the thumbs up button on all of the, uh, the podcast apps. Make sure y'all giving us a good rating. We appreciate it. Now, we're going to jump into Sunday's games. All right. Do, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I'll go. First. Or you want me to go first? All right. Talk yeah, to me, bro. Browns played the Steelers division oh, that rivalry game. game. <laughs> you know, Browns was smoking hot going into this thing. Yeah. What what happened? Talk to me. A big reality check happened. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, dude. The Steelers are so much better than I think I thought because they've been in that weird state of they didn't know how healthy Big Ben was in the past. They've had. Yeah different quarterbacks playing they brought in Fitzpatrick last year they're like they're that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick yeah and then they've had moving pieces all over they're trying to figure out they had the Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bells like a whole fiasco over the last few years so yeah I think I'm not saying that the Browns underestimated them but I think there was this big misunderstanding about how good the Steelers are because they're legit the Ravens and Steelers are top five teams Super Bowl contenders they're stacked on both sides of the ball there's yeah. no doubt about it the Browns are little brother that's just it's how it is right now and it, that's not going to change for a long time because where the Steelers and Ravens are are 10 15 plus years into the regime that they have built you know they have an identity that is yeah. so Rock solid, you know, run the ball, tough, physical at the line, you know, yeah. mean, nasty. Raleigh You're Brown not running so on that. Why won't he fall off, man? He's so I good. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like. It sucks, man. But that's just the realities of having one of those guys, you know? Yeah. <sighs> They're also really great at drafting receivers. I just got to throw that out there, bro. Yeah. Clay and I think is the truth. I think Tomlin is the dream coach when it comes to divisional opponents and rivalry games and getting your guys up for those. Yeah. I think the Browns, I think Stefanski is going to bring a lot of great things, but I am worried about the Browns culture adjusting to these emotional uh, big bro games, you know, the Ravens <laughs> and Steelers mostly. Yeah. Like the Bengals are in a situation where they're trying to figure out like how to protect, like it, it's different. Yeah. But it's still the same when it comes to like the rivalry and that aspect of it. So I think a lot of Browns fans are really upset because we all have low self-esteem when it comes to the Browns. I don't think it's a reason to panic. I think that the Browns are, what, six games into a new regime? Mm -hmm. Six games. Mm -hmm. And that's only playing the Steelers and Ravens once. Yep. 
you're talking about trying to build an identity and they've, they're going against teams that have been doing it for hundreds of games. Like they know what they are. The Browns are still figuring that out, even though we sort of see glimpses here and there. Mm -hmm. Everyone's jumping off of Baker today. Everyone is saying fire the D coordinator. Everyone's being like, I don't know. People like the coach, but overall people just get so upset so quick. And it's silly because like, yeah, Baker's not great when he's under pressure and they're losing the game and he, and he's trying to play hero ball, but God, he's, he's had so many coaches and, and we're just trying to figure out an identity. So I think, I think yesterday was just a good reality check for everyone. Like, okay, this team's good. The Browns are good. Yeah. But there's so many things that they have to work on. They're not a Super Bowl contender. They don't do well when they get punched in the mouth. Okay, we know that. Now let's Can't see how they continue. Very well. Yeah. They are built to run the ball and yep. maintain the clock and then yep. force turnovers when the other team tries to get in the game. Yep. That's what they are. And that's going to win them a lot of games. And so yep. it's going to be excited from that aspect. They'll be an 8-10 to 10 win team. That's yep. great. That's a, that's a step in the right direction. And I think yesterday, after being so upset, I kind of had a realization that's like, look, patience, man. It's so hard to be patient when you want to be great and you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. But that's the key, man. The patience with this with this coach and this and this uh, you know front office. It'll build. It'll continue to evolve. We'll bring in guys to help the defense next year. You know. Everyone will continue to get better under a new system, like the connection to Jarvis Odell, the receiving core, the tight ends. You know, you get you keep the same coaches in, and you yeah. continue you build that continuity. The Browns are so they're so young, and they're only six games in. At the end of the day, I'm okay with it, and I, I just I think that was a, a good a good game for that kind of reality check. I'm not saying I, I'm happy about it because now yeah. I'm like, oh, well, there goes my kind of like, you know, my head was full of like, wait, is this team a Super Bowl team? Like, could they? Like, oh, they just continue to run the ball. Well, like, no, like reality check. Yeah. Let me so ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. As a Browns fan, um, what do you think the next few steps need to be in order for y'all to get to that Pittsburgh-Baltimore level? I think they need to continue to get punched in the mouth in those games to to like get in that, like to understand that because it's so easy when you run a good designed first drive and it scores a touchdown and you get a crazy turnover, all of a sudden you're up 10 zero and then you maintain that. It's much easier to do that. There's so many coaches who know to do that, but what happens when your kick returner drop, like fumbles the ball or you get a stupid, like it's like one of those 50, 50 turnover plays. That wasn't your fault. Mm Mm-hmm. How are they going to con- like respond over time? Are they going to continue to do this thing where, okay, Baker throws the pick six and it seems like everyone's just like deflated and it's like, okay, we have to play hero ball now. When are they going to get out of that and when are they going to take the punch and then get back up on their feet? I think yeah. that's kind of the next step. I think we're going to see them get back on a little win streak. And if they don't, then there's red, you know, alarms, like red alert, we're in trouble. But I think we'll see against the average teams, the Browns will look like they did against the previous games, like how they were. Their mm-hmm. offense will continue to improve. And I think that's important for confidence, but they have to get punched in the mouth a few more times. It'll happen at least twice this year. They play the Ravens and Steelers again. Have y'all played any average teams? I feel like uh, y'all play two really good teams and I, a bunch of bad teams. Here's Have the thing. there I been an average team? So I think the Colts. The, I did play the Colts. Colts are tough 
bet yeah, because the I think Colts they're are average. average. They're average. average with a good defense. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys are. I, I, it's hard to say because their defense is so bad. So I think that kind of is makes it but tough to now maybe look back Dallas and go. Maybe is out in their average. You, they, yeah. You so say I'd that. say two average teams, and then I would have to say Washington's way below average. Yeah. Haskins was really bad, yeah. and the Browns didn't even win that game that like handily. Like it seemed like they could have lost at the end if one or two things didn't happen. If Haskins didn't throw two terrible passes. <clears throat> so that's yeah. what's that's like the tough part of like analyzing this team. But that's important. That's the first step. Okay. We handle the teams we're supposed to. Yep. That's step one. Yep. Now get up for big games and handle getting punched in the mouth. That's kind of the, the next step. And that'll take time. I'm okay with that. Let's just see this team continue to win the games they have to yeah. and work on that. You're not going to get Baker against Hall of Fame level Big Ben or you know MVP level Lamar Jackson and expect him. Like We know what he is at this point. But he, th- can, he can continue to improve. Go ahead. How much do you think he can improve? Like, do you think Baker is the guy that can take y'all to the level that y'all want to be at? I haven't seen enough from him in big games and being down, like, you know, to, to say whether or not, like, I don't know. I think the problem is everyone goes, oh, he's a slow processor. He always bails on the pocket, like all this stuff. It's like, dude, he's in his third scheme. He's at, As a rookie quarterback, he ran one thing. As a mm-hmm. second-year quarterback, he ran another thing. And then as a third-year quarterback, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, It's like, I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. You would have to learn the nuances of this system. And he's he went from a different system in Oklahoma as well, like the air raid offense. It's different. Did, so I have to see this season and I have to see next season before I truly know. Did Ryan Tannehill run a similar offense to what he runs now in Miami? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't does he? think so. I don't think it's that similar. I, I'm. I'm not. I didn't watch him a lot in Miami. Yeah. But um, when I watch Baker play, and I think I've said this before. I know I've said it before. I think I said it on here though. I feel like Tannehill has almost perfected what Baker is trying to do. Like run heavy offense, a lot of play action, and like his decision making though within that scheme. I think it's it's I think that's a lot easier than like lining four or five guys up and making the checks and doing I think it's a lot easier than that. But yeah, I think you can win like that if your team is built right. And that's a skill set yeah. in itself. I think Tanner Hill is really good at it. Um so and that that's why I'm asking, because I'm like, I don't know, bro. I, I don't really think it took Tannehill that long to adjust to that type of offense. You know what I'm saying? And what Baker ran at Oklahoma was really the only time we saw him have sustained success. So I'm just, I'm curious yeah. as to what it's going to look like going forward. You know what I'm saying? I'm just I curious. also, I can't claim enough to know about quarterbacks to say whether or not, like my gut instinct, I'm too optimistic to, to throw him out. I don't think he can be a MVP level quarterback given the system and given his skill set. But I do think he can make plays and I think he can run this system to the level that it can get to that point. Yeah. Like you're talking about Tennessee. Like I, I could see this being that type of team when it comes to like running the ball. You That's got the model backs that, that are y'all good. are following. And it can work. It, it almost model. got We've Tennessee it to the Super Tennessee Bowl. Tennessee smacked Baltimore yeah, last year. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. we know it can work. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know, man. I, I'm in a weird state right now because the Browns are four and two. Yeah, but, but the fans make it feel like we're two and four. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just silly because it's what do you expect from a first year head? Like rookie head, head coaches don't do well yeah. in the NFL, especially at a bad team. Yeah. So the fact that we're four and two right now should be like, hey, we lost to the Ravens and Steelers, two top five teams. We're four and two, and people are upset. It's silly. That's the key. Like the key to happiness that you just said it is managing expectations, which is why I jump into my game. I was not upset at all because I did not expect to win this game at all. And when we went up, we went up 21 nothing. I yeah. knew for a 100% fact that they was going to come back. Now, I, at that point, I was like, yo, we got a chance to win this thing that I didn't really think we had a chance to win. But I never felt comfortable with like because we can't run the ball because our offensive line isn't good. So when your offensive line isn't good, our defense isn't great. How are you going to hold a lead? Like, it's like the only way we're going to hold a lead is if we get a couple more explosive plays and keep scoring. We're not going to be able to control the clock. So me knowing that, like I wasn't upset really when we lost the game because I was like, yeah, I, I kind of saw this coming. A couple of things in the game that pissed me off. And I think, uh, let me just say this, my defensive coordinator should be fired. And the only reason I think he has a job is because he boys with the head coach. Okay, I think a defensive coordinator is terrible. I, yeah, he's given up a touchdown before halftime in every single game the entire year. And in almost all of them, the same thing has happened. Either a busted coverage from some exotic BS play that he draws up or he's got us playing man coverage, in, especially in the red zone. And I'm screaming at the monitor. Get out of man. They're going to cross. When they cross, our guy is going to get picked. He's going to be wide open. It happened every time. They did it again. I was like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you can see it coming, bro. So it's just like as long as we continue to allow cats like that, and then my head coach come in a press conference and say, oh, we just needed to score more points on offense. Now, look, if you just want to throw the defensive dude under the bus in the press conference and you got on him in the back, all right. But I don't know if he did because that's your boy. You feel me? And I feel like pride at this point is starting to creep in with my coaches. And, you know, that's something I definitely don't want to see, especially when they haven't won any, like literally anything. Yeah. But um, what I will say about the game, bro, I saw so much potential. And I saw the same thing when we play like the Jack. Any game we play where Joe Burrow isn't under like ridiculous duress. He plays better, I think, under ridiculous duress than most quarterbacks in the league. Like, when most quarterbacks in the league getting pressure, like, they don't yeah. throw three picks, right? Joe handles it better than a lot of quarterbacks, and he's just a rookie. Uh, that yeah. makes me hopeful. But when he actually have time back there, like, the dude the dude look like a damn vet. So I know he's going to put up points. We do it every single week. You know what I'm saying? The problem is the protection breaks down, and it gets to a point where – it, there's nothing he can do. It's like they find the leaky, the faulty spot on the line, wherever it's at that week, and they just keep, especially in the second halves of games. And now we can't, we can't put nothing together. You feel what I'm saying? So I understand at this point that the team, like I see who we are. After the first four games, I was like, okay, I see what we are. So I'm not like super upset out the L's no yeah. more. Even L's where we quote unquote blow a 21 point lead. I'm like, yo. I didn't. I just didn't look at it like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I really didn't, bro. I knew they would come back, and I knew it was going to end up being a tight game. In the end, we can't pull it out. At this point, I'm almost a part of me 
almost likes it because I don't think my coaches are very good. I wasn't sure. Like, I gave them time, plenty of time. It's been, you know, a season and a half almost now. And I think my head coach is a solid offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's a great head coach, but I think he can make it as a head coach if he gets better coordinators, though, right? We need stronger coordinators who could almost be a de facto head coach. You know what I'm saying? Just to strengthen the whole core. Like, we need, like, if my, my head coach is a B plus, a B, let's say a B. We need two more Bs, but he got people that's lower than him. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. You can only do that if you were A plus, and then we got two Bs, we great. But you a B, so we need, like, to bring up that average, our coordinators got to be better or we just we need a new head coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, one of the two. And so we'll see what direction that goes. But we're obviously, we obviously still trying to figure things out. But I, I feel pretty good about our future because, again, I feel really good about my quarterback. I feel really good about my young um, receivers. Um, a couple of our DBs I, I really like. But we got a lot of holes, a lot of gaps to fill. And uh, it's just really going to depend on what the front office does. Like, how do they address this? You know, do they sit on their yeah. hands or do they start making some damn moves? And, you know, we'll see, bro. But I made up my mind, I'm not going to be letting this ruin my Sunday no more. I'm going to watch the games. I'm not going to expect much. I'm going to cheer for the good plays. I'm yeah. going to curse them out when they had bad plays, like in my head or out loud on, on my TV. And then when the game go off, I'm just going to move on to something else. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be taking it to heart every week because it's just counterproductive. And I can't do nothing to change it at all. So it just doesn't even make any sense for me to be like letting it affect my entire day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's that's a tough place to be as a fan because there's so many teams more than the majority of the teams will get to that point where you go, okay, well, this team's not that great. They're not going to make a deep play. They're not going to make the playoffs. What do I get out of watching them? So I guess I wanted to ask you, what can you get from watching the final 10 games of the season, knowing that your team is in the situation that they are? Well, I still get to watch development of my young players. That's probably the biggest thing. You know, obviously we got Joe Burrow. I get to continue to watch his development. I'm seeing the development of T. Higgins every week. He brought, and I said this, I think, last week. Every week he impressed me more and more and more. So Luke Wilson on defense, a linebacker for Wyoming, Ricky, I really like him. He making hella plays out there as well. Jesse Bates is elite. I don't care what nobody say. And I've been on that train for a few years now, but now he finally starting to put the league on notice that he is an elite free safety. Now he and um, you know, William Jackson is also good our corner over there too. And so, you know, there's plenty I could get from it. Also, I'm just I'm such a fan that there's no way I don't watch. Even if there yeah. was nothing, like even when Andy was playing last year and there was nowhere to go because, and I'm not trying to dog Andy out or nothing like that. It's just I knew what Andy was and I knew he couldn't elevate the team because the team was too bad. Like, you know, that's not his skill set. Like, right. He can drive a steady ship. But when that thing getting like, you know what I'm saying, in turbulent waters, whatever you want to call it, Andy, not the, the dude you want at the wheel at that point. You know, and so he's also obviously older. So I'm knowing like we have no future here. So if I watch them games, I could definitely watch these games because, again, we have an opportunity, an opportunity. That's the key word to be good in the future. It's just going to really come down to um, if, if we're willing to make some some big changes 
as far as hiring a real GM and just doing things like that, bro, to bring us to where we're actually doing better at evaluating talent. Again, look at the Steelers, bro. They got Antonio Brown in like the sixth round. They just got Chase Claypool in like the third round. It's like their scouting departments. If we can look at that stuff and be like, yo, look what they're doing, bro. But we're so far to this point, we've been so um, stubborn and it's weird. Like I've never understood like people who are stubborn and unsuccessful, right? If yeah. you're a successful person, being stubborn, it makes sense. Obviously, this has worked for you. But if if you haven't had any success off as an offensive line coach, Jim Turner, the line is, is just trash, bro. They're not getting a whole lot better. The scheme, whatever you're doing, is really not working to the level that we need it to work. And the guys that you're picking, they're bad, yeah. right? You're picking based off the same profile that you've been picking off for the last seven years. Not with us, but just in general. It ain't working, right? So yeah. why you keep doing the exact same thing? You bring in the exact type of players over and over and over, and it's it's just kind of ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? So I'm watching. I'm I'm hopeful that maybe something will change at on that level. Yeah, we gotta see. And other than that, it's just kind of seeing how the young players develop, and uh, just hoping for the best. Hope we can put a yeah. couple a couple more dubs on the uh, on the board. You know, it, it's interesting because we happen to be fans of the two teams in one of the toughest divisions where you just like, no matter what you do, you have to deal with two contenders in your own division twice a year each. Yep. And I think for both of us, we see the same things within our organization. It's just so hard to build, build that, inst- that, that stability while also competing with those guys. Yeah. You know, it's like the two big brothers that no matter what you do, they're always there and they're always intimidating. They're always tough. And you got to be able to somehow deal with that while also building you and being okay with like, okay, they're going to, they're going to be them. We just have to continue to try to figure out us. And that's probably the hardest thing for any organization to do because you're like, we got to go, we got to beat those guys. And then when you keep getting smacked by them, you go, okay, this guy sucks. Bring in the next guy. That's what we've been doing. And you guys went kind of like, no, we'll just stick with this and we'll eventually get them. Yeah. And both haven't worked. <laughs> both haven't worked. Neither has worked. And, you know, the reasons for it is hard to say. Like, uh, we've been, I feel like we've been closer more times in the recent future, in the recent, uh, in recent times. You know what I'm saying? Like making the playoffs and stuff like that. But yeah. just not good enough to get over like over the actual hump and i yeah. think <clears throat> y'all's strategy will be more uh more successful because if you keep throwing shit up against the wall like look it's gonna start to work eventually versus us we just like we're not throwing stuff against the wall we're not like bringing guys in and moving guys out we just like yo these the guys so yeah. whatever happens with this that's what happens. Like, we got so many of the same players we had the last time we made the playoffs. We wasn't good enough to get out the first round then. What do you think will happen now? Like, that they're older and we don't move off guys. We don't trade. We don't get no value for them. And we playing against people who are getting every single little advantage they could possibly get. And we phoning it in. We're going through the motions. And, like, you're just not going to win like that, bro. It's no. not going to happen. So, <sighs> Well... I guess we'll segue into this. 
Browns Bengals 2.0 this week. Yeah. That's the matchup. Browns Bengals 2.0 this week. Um, I was saying this yesterday, like, yo, it sucks that every time we play y'all, y'all got to be coming off getting completely drugged the week before. <laughs> it's, it's deja vu, dude. It's <laughs> like, it's the exact same. You know what I'm saying? So now y'all got to be all focused. Like, why y'all could be coming off a win? You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I think it goes pretty similar to the first one. The fact that y'all don't have Chubb definitely That's- plays in our favor, like, in a major, major way. Kareem Hunt is good, but he's not Chubb. And um, so, you know, there's that. But honestly, I don't think um, y'all have more talent. And I, I don't think our coaching is buttoned up, right? So I think we'll get out-talented, out-talented, and out-coached. Yeah. So with that being the case, it's, it's kind of hard to win a damn game <laughs> if you're going to lose in both of those areas. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, don't, I don't see us winning in either of those. Now, look, if Baker come out there with the turnovers trying to prove a point, like that's, like that's our only – that's our hope, yeah. right? And that's every time we play y'all. If Baker come out and be like, you know what, I'm about to gunsling this thing. And last time he played us, it worked. He threw that bomb to Odell early, and once that landed, it was downhill from there. Yeah. You know, so we'll kind of see how that goes. But we'll, we'll yeah. have to make some huge plays – and really just get lucky. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. y'all better top to bottom at this point. And we really will have to get lucky to win this game. Dude, you just kind of said that about Baker. That's what, I guess that's my biggest worry about him. Yeah. Is that whole, like, if he throws that bomb and it works, all of a sudden he can't be stopped. So then yeah. you know, like, we know we're going to roll. Like, if you see him complete one of those lasers to Odell across the middle for like 20 yeah. yards, you're like, all right, he's on. Yeah, but when he throws a pick six to start a game, then you're like, he's not, he's there's no coming back for him. Like he's like already gone because he's like gonna be like, I'm just gonna go back out there and, you know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm gonna fire away. And it just like it's like he loses a little bit of that, that dialed in focus and confidence, and yeah. it turns into like insecurity, and then he's like trying too hard. So that's I guess if the, if you guys come out and punch us in the mouth, that's your chance because then if you guys get up by like a, you know, a 14-7 or a 10-3 or anything, that's the worry. I mean, if we yeah, can run I the, will if, say that. Yeah, if we get up like we got up against the Colts, I think we win. Right? Yeah. Like I, I don't I, think I don't think uh Baker goes Philip Rivers on us. But uh I, yeah. I just I don't really see that happening. Like, I mean, it could happen. Like, maybe we run a kickback, but again, we have to catch some major breaks. Yeah. Major breaks. I think whoever kind of gets out, I think if the Browns can control the clock and, and punch first, I think they'll win. I think yeah. they'll probably win anyway. Yeah. But it's one of those things where if the Bengals get up early, I can see them kind of upsetting the Browns, and it wouldn't be that shocking because of the fact that the Browns struggle so bad when they're losing. Right. So, yeah, overall, the Browns should win this game, and they need to. Uh, this would be a heartbreaker if the Browns lose this just because the momentum they got. And then you, you got to beat straight. us. You got to beat us because you can't beat Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Yeah. Right. So, based on what we've seen so far, Baltimore yeah. actually isn't playing that great. And I think y'all got a shot at Baltimore the next time y'all play them. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you, you definitely need to beat us. Like for us, we really ain't got nothing to lose at this point. Like the first game we played was huge, 
because that was going to determine kind of the you know how our season went. You know, if we was able to beat y'all or like beat a play like a close game with y'all, that was gonna give us hope. But at this point, we're one, three and one, one four and one, something like that. Yeah. I don't even know. But um, you know, so we don't really have a whole lot to gain other than you know maybe some bragging rights, and it would be nice to split with a division team with one of the division teams who is a playoff contender. It would be fucking phenomenal, right? But yeah. if we lose, it's like, okay, we, we, was like, we already had one win anyway. It's not really that huge of a deal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We'll just get a better draft pick at this point. But, I mean, I really want the wins, bro, just because I have guys on my team now that I believe in, like especially the young players. So I have a different attitude than I had last year. Like last year, I was, a, I was like – driving the tank ball like early like in like week four or five i was like oh we don't need to win no more because i wanted the top quarterback yeah you know what i'm saying at that point but like this year is different like yeah i want a good pick but i also don't want my players like they're frustrated and they put in so much out there so much effort out and we not getting these wins i don't want yeah. it to break their spirits you know what i'm saying so that's it's a little more complicated or complex this year you know, uh, being a being a Bengals fan, but that's where we at. You know, my last thoughts, and I think we can be done unless you want to say something as well. Yeah. But I'm so over that. I'm so over like the Browns being bad and being like, okay, guys, let's just keep losing so we can get that top pick. Yeah, that yeah, top yeah. five. Ooh, we just moved up in the draft projection. Ooh, we're number three now. Yeah, I'm so sick of that because I think if you can get the right guys, like you said, picking players then it really doesn't matter because then you can find those important players in the other rounds. So I just want to see, like, I, I just, I want to see the Browns get to the playoffs and not be so worried about draft picks and just continue to find those guys later in the draft. Cause I'm sick of trying to get top 10 picks for, for y'all. For, for y'all. I agree. But y'all had top 10 picks like every year for like five or six or seven years in a row. See, so I yeah. got dudes Right. For us, it's Some. different. I'm saying, but like every ain't no team in the league got a dude in every spot. You feel what I'm saying? I'm going to make my point. You'll feel what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't get you can't get Joe Burrow picking 10th. You can't get Miles Garrett picking 10th. Right. Like these impact players. We have we really don't have a lot of that. So it's different for us. Right. Y'all got maybe the best defensive end in the league. It's at least arguable. And there's so many great ends that, you know, it's a it's a tough it's tough to say that, but you could argue that for Miles Garrett right now. Yeah. We ain't got that. That dude, like you said the last time, he completely changes games. And for us, until we can get some of those players, then I'll be I might fully be out on the other uh, drafting because again, like you say, you could draft anywhere and potentially you could build your squad, but unless you already got like a nice uh, foundation, which we really we really don't, like our foundation kind of kind of faulty. Yeah, a, a dude or two would be great. You know what I'm saying? Like if we could get, there probably is none, but just throwing it out there, we could get the Chase Young equivalent this year in the draft. I think we got Joe Burrow last year, so now we got anchors. Yeah, you know what I'm saying on both sides of the ball. And again, Jesse Bates, I think is great, but at free safety. Um, he can only impact the game so much. If them dudes in the trenches ain't doing what they supposed to do, then it's not gonna matter as much. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So that's that's kind of my thing with that. So yeah, I want to win more games. 
I don't, I damn sure don't want to like pick first because I just don't want to lose that much. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. um, I, I mean, I want a top 10 pick for sure. I mean, we're going to get it, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? I do want to make sure we get in like one of the better, the premium spots. Yeah. And I also hope we don't completely smoke it like we did with uh, John Ross and Cedric O'Boye and yeah. Billy, Billy Price and all these dudes that we picked in the first round who were a complete bust. Yeah. And, you know. I, I just want the Browns to get to the point where big time players want to come play for them. You know, like guys want to go to Cleveland. That's, that's what I want because I think that's just as big of a part of it as drafting guys. Cause if you can draft good players, it doesn't matter if they leave after their rookie contract. That's right. When they're going into their prime, you know? Yeah. And so I think either the Browns have figured out that that guy's a bust or he's so good that they're like, okay, we'll pay you. But they're like, I just want to go somewhere else. Like they got miles Garrett long-term, which makes me happy. Yeah. And so I think they got to continue to like keep their guys while yeah. building that system, like that stability. I keep wanting to say instability. I think it's just programmed in me, but the, the Browns, I want them to keep building that stability. So then other guys are like, Oh, I want to go line up next to miles Garrett. I want to go play with that offense. I want to go do whatever. I'll get in there. Cause y'all got the star power. All y'all need to do now is just foundation go eight and eight, bro. And like, I think y'all will be there. Like, Legit, because when you got Odell and Baker got all the commercials and you got Miles Garrett, like you, you got the star players, and we've seen around the league players love to play with star players, bro. They do. So I think y'all a lot closer than you think. I mean, being in Cleveland isn't probably the that's probably the one thing that hurts y'all. Yeah. But y'all still got stars, even in Cleveland. Y'all got stars, you know. So that's what's up. I I think we're good. Yeah. All right, fellas, man. I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. If you did, like I said, don't forget, click the thumbs up button and rate us on any of the podcast apps. Also, let us know in the comment section, like, what y'all might want to see next from us. What about the show are y'all enjoying? What maybe y'all not enjoying that we could sharpen up a little bit because we want to continue to improve this thing. We seven episodes in. So by episode 10, I think we're going to have it like running like just super smooth like butter. You feel what I'm saying? So anyway... We'll catch y'all in the next one. From the raps, my dog KTO. Peace. Peace.